Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Crow's Nest. My name is Kelly J. Lewis, and I'm here with Thomas Ware III and Dr. Kevin Crow. One of the things that we had talked about earlier today is that, uh, of course, New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg has decided he's going to once again change his political party, and now he is registered as a Democrat. Um, and so, what, Doctor Crow? What do you think about um, the like, kind of like the the party flippers? I say the ones who just kind of go from party to party to party because it kind of seems a little self serving. To you know what I mean? Yeah, they 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 test the winds. Of course, again, having said that, it would be nice if there were no parties, right? But, um, but like you said, especially when they've run for office several times and everything. And of course, you know, you'll have some people who may not even fit in their party anymore, but they keep their party that identification because they don't want to look like they flipped. And I think that may be more admirable, even to a degree. Well, and one of the things, and this is what struck me, especially here in Oklahoma within the Democratic Party, yeah. and this is something that I've noticed in the past few years since I've been so involved with it, is that we actually have a lot of former Republicans who have run for office as Democrats and like kind of come over and because they can't win as Democrats and they go and they change to change their party to Republican. And then all of a sudden their politics is different. Their philosophy is different, but they're getting elected. That's right. No, you'll see that. And so is that is that something that goes across all of the parties or is that I mean because I in Oklahoma I don't see any conservatives switching to Democrat the Democratic Party to get elected. I don't know if you, if you if you've kept up with the latest scandal I guess is what you would call it at the legislature where the um where some of the party leadership the Republican party leadership uh, helped maybe raise funds but for sure were maybe complicit in in a move to get rid of eight conservative Republicans this this last round. Oh no, I didn't hear about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's there are there were eight conservative Republicans eliminated in the primaries. There was a lot of money, a lot of dark money that went into that, and apparently um, some of the members of the uh, of the of the legislative leadership in this state backed that. So. So yeah, it can be. It's like I said, party pol- politics can be as brutal within parties, sometimes more so than between parties. Kind of like, kind of like families, especially like Indian families. You know, <laughs> we can say whatever we want about our own family yeah. members, but and it's and it gets really brutal inside of the inside of those families. But the interlopers and anybody else coming in, they don't, they can't say anything. But so. but like I said, with the parties, I guess it's got more brutal because. Um, they are. They're working sometimes uh, with people from the other party to get rid of a party member. Sometimes and I can I can kind of understand that um, you know switching from one to the other because it, it seems like these these parties are kind of evolving. Yes, I mean they're the what's kind of seen as the the regular the norms of people in that party has been changing for both parties. And so, I mean, it would be kind of a natural thing if you felt like, uh, as a person, that you're growing into something that's separate than what um, the direction that the party's moving. And so, you know, like, like you said, you know, Bloomberg had changed to independent in what 2007 or whatever, and then, um, you know, now is making the move to Democrat. And so, I wanted to ask you, Doctor Crow, 
would he have a chance? I don't know. I'm surprised he was ever a Republican. I mean, Bloomberg's Bloomberg's policies have never been aligned with Republicans unless unless, you know, you take the 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 negative stereotype of Republicans, you know, being for money. I mean, he, he, that part is, I guess, in a way. I mean, I hate to say that. I mean, it's, it's the the fact is both parties can be fairly greedy at the top. But anyway, but um, but other than that, his core values are certainly not Republican. Um, on social issues, on you know, now that I think about it, even on economic issues, because if you look at the at the moneyed interest that he tends to back, it's not Republican moneyed interest usually. I mean, it, it tends to be more financial. Groups like that, so I, I I'm always surprised he was ever a Republican. Well, but you know, was he he was winning as a Republican though, wasn't he? He or, was, but it was in New York. I mean, I, and 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 but that's that's kind of here, where here's the thing. I think I always think of this: if you put Bloomberg, of course, now this this person's dead, but he hasn't been dead that long. But well, in my mind, he hasn't been dead that long. <laughs> I guess he has been. But if you put Bloomberg up against, let's say. Um, Moynihan, Moynihan were certainly is was certainly to the right of Bloomberg, and Moynihan's the Democrat. Um, I mean, so I just, even by New York standards, Bloomberg's doesn't fit in with Republicans that well. Well, and but but see, I guess that's where I'm. I guess I'm having the issues, and again, seeing a lot of that in Oklahoma politics right here, it's like it's almost like kind of changing your entire personal and political philosophy just to be able to and that's get the elected. Problem. If, if they change the political philosophy, I guess I take it back. I guess I could see somebody switching party if the party if the if the party has changed. I can see that. But it's a little bit different if they if they move their core values, which basically means they right. have no core values. Right. And we've seen this. And and I've actually I mentioned this before. We we've seen this um Several uh, politicians have done this. I mean, I guess in the past, you know, I always think of, of Bill Clinton when he ran in, when he ran in, let's see, when he ran in, in when, he, when he ran the first time, when he, when he was governor the first time, um, he, was, uh, he was pro-choice. His wife had a different name than him, last name, Rodham, instead of Clinton. Um, by the way, I'm not judging any of this. I'm just saying this, how people will, will take all their core things and switch it. Um, he was Methodist. Again, I'm not knocking Methodist. I'm just saying, you know, these, these are core things with people. He was beaten. The enemy won, obviously, that one. After his first term, he, he lost. When he came back and ran, all of a sudden, his wife has the same name as him. She doesn't say anything. Um, he becomes the most pro-life governor in the in the U.S., one of the most pro-life governors, and then his religious affiliation—he's Southern Baptist. So he switched everything that you would think would be core. And then, and then when you look through his political career, you know we we associate the word triangulation with him. You know, it's it, there's always a calculation. This is not unique to Bill Clinton. I just use that as an example that people would be familiar with. But, but again, I guess I would be more. I'm I'm more skeptical of of those who change core values than I am party affiliation. Now that I think about it, and again, I'm not defending this person. Per, certainly, this is somebody that many in the audience may not care for. But if if you look at um, Strum Thurmond, what how many times did he change parties? Was it four, four different parties? He was 
He was Republican. <laughs> he was Democrat. He was Dixiecrat. Yeah. And I was thinking there was one other. But his views never really changed. Um, and so, you know, I guess it, it, that's what you're actually looking for. Again, I'm not defending his views. What I'm saying is at least you knew what you got. Well, and, and but that's the thing, too. And, and, and I, I see what, what both of you are saying is that, you know, if your own personal philosophy is like, man, I just don't believe that way anymore. Or yeah. that just doesn't represent how I feel. Then then absolutely I see going to be an independent. That's or, right. You, because, I mean, even as even as a, as, as a staunch Democrat, I still don't vote in a straight ticket. No. I, I, I never vote completely for Every Democrat. I don't know that I've ever completely voted, you know, unless it's been like, you know, just like a one one or a two. Yeah, yeah. But even even then, it's not a guarantee that I'm going to vote for the Democrat. Yeah, I don't think I've ever voted a... Com- well, as you said, if, if there's six races, I can almost guarantee you I've never voted a straight line vote. Right. Right. And, 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 but that's the thing, too, is that, and again, this is something that I've personally witnessed... In the Democratic Party in Oklahoma is that, well, I'm going to run for office as a Democrat. I get, you know, I get worked in in the primary or whatever. And then the next election cycle comes around and now I'm a Republican. Now I have completely different views, a completely different base. And now I win and now I'm in office and and to push that. And and that to me is is what's. Scary. Kind well, of. and another problem, a, a separate problem, but very similar, is I've talked about when people purchase brand loyalty, and that is, they run as one thing, they they maintain that party, but then when they get in, they do the completely opposite, even though they stay quote in that party, and you see that a lot. Um, I, I think I've mentioned uh, to a, to a, a great degree, even in this state. I, I I think certain interests have purchased the Republican Party. Uh, they get in there and they'll run as quote conservative, whatever, whatever. When they get in there, it's basically special interest. That's their first. That that's basically the first thing they serve, not not the Republican base, not what they campaigned on. But and again, this is not a liberal conservative issue. This is their priorities. Really, a lot of times don't even have. Uh, they don't even line up with conservative or liberal issues. Uh, they're, they 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 they're just it's a it's a special interest of them. that's that's basically what they serve. So so which is the case here with Bloomberg? Do you think, in your estimation, is it just something that? Well, the one thing I'll give Bloomberg. There's one thing I'll give him. He's never he's never been duplicitous about what he thinks. He's he's. He's always been out there. I mean, like I said, I can never believe he would be a Republican. Uh, yeah, that's... saying that, but then, but then, you know, there used to be the there used to be the old um, the old Rockefeller Republicans. I guess he he kind of fit with them, but he's even kind of to the left of them to a degree. But yeah, well, maybe not. Maybe he fit more of the Rockefeller Republicans to a degree. I yeah, I mean, he's he's not a complplete liberal. He's not, but he does. Well, he have, loves money. Yes, he does. <laughs> we'll that, yeah, that. Yes, he does. I mean, yes, he does. But it's like he's a, a like a liberal conservative. If that makes any I, there, kind I don't of think sense, that, I don't I think mean, there's. I don't think there's anything conservative about him. The way I would describe him is he's a greedy liberal. <laughs> yeah. And see, there you go. There's there no conservative. <laughs> yeah. And and he, but but that but that actually brings home the point. I think of what we have been trying to talk about is really bottom line. It it's all about that money and being able right. to kind of push your own 
like you said, special interest, your own agenda into this political realm to be able to make your life easier or make your tax burden lighter or fill in the blank. Exactly. And it's like I said with what with what's going on in this state apparently with the house leadership backing the uh basically um purging eight of the conservative members of the you know of 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 the uh, of the Republican caucus and really putting the money there uh, to do that um or supporting that and that's you know uh, again if if that's true then what's the purpose of party? Well, and- which again, I'm not I've always thought We'd be better better out the part without without parties anyway, and just let people run. And that's that's how I, like I that. feel, and that's yeah. why that's the main reason why I'm independent is because there's no issue that's just black and white. There's exactly. no, I mean, t- uh, the bipartisan system is flawed in that way that there's so much gray area that I don't think anybody fits complete. Well, there there are probably some people that fit, you know, perfectly into that you know, that party or this party or whatever, but there's just so much gray area out there that it's it's just too hard to try to align with one side and, and just say, you know, yes, this, I'm, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or whatever. So that's, I mean, it just highlights the, the reason why I'm a, I'm a registered independent because I just can't, I mean, there's too many too many issues on both sides. Well, and really again, can't. regional differences are, are important among parties. I remember um, a few years back, I was in I was in Philadelphia. I was in so I was in a different state, and it was when uh, Toomey is that the one I think the Republican who was running, and there were Democrat ads against Toomey, and if you didn't know Toomey's affiliation, um, you would swear that these ads were conservative Republican ads against a Democratic candidate, because in that state, um, of course, the Democrats there are, are very much economic nationalist. And so they would run ads kind of associating Toomey with the communist Chinese. I mean, this is, it was, uh, I mean, it, and they were almost ads that would almost, I mean, that some people would find over the top. There would be, uh, for example, it said, uh, you know, uh, Toomey says, he protects jobs, and then they'd have a gong go, bong, in China. I mean, this is an ad. This is an ad. I mean, so it kind of caught me off guard. And so the point is, you know, a lot of times we, we think we know where a party stands, but I don't know. I don't know. I think a lot of it's regional and stuff, too. Well, and so we're coming into, I mean, just the last couple of weeks of um, the before before the midterm elections. And, and you know, we've all kind of watched the news and kind of watched um, just how everything has gone with the Kavanaugh vote and just different things like that. And what I've seen a lot is these millennials and these younger people really wanting to get involved. So what do you think, do you think that that's going to have a huge impact on these midterms because the, the, the numbers of them registering to vote, and I say them as millennials. The Taylor the Swift younger, effect. Yes. The Taylor Swift effect, you know, do you, do you, I mean, and, and I'm not talking a blue red, blue wave or a red wave. I'm just talking about a millennial wave of voters this time. I don't think that there'll be, a wave of young voters. The thing is, there's voter registration, and then there's actually voting. Right. And the thing is, if you look through history for the longest time, with the exception of a bump that Obama had in his first time, 
There was a bump there. It's not a huge bump, but it's a bump. Other than that, you don't see young turnout at all, hardly. I mean, it doesn't. It, that's one group who just doesn't. And this isn't an attack on young people. And a lot of times people make this attack as a generational, oh, this group coming up, oh, this group coming up. That's more of an age issue. I mean, that's more, that's the way 18-year-olds are. Not that generation. That's just the way, you know, younger people have different interests and stuff. I- I still think, though, that with the, um, you know, with the uh, Parkland uh, students really coming up and kind of really being involved in sensible gun legislation and really kind of inspiring younger people across the nation, I kind of think that this there is going to be a lot of uh, more turnout. Now, I don't, I mean, it is a midterm, and yeah, the the thing is to get out and vote, and yeah, it's easy to register, but actually getting out there and do it, but I really do feel like we're going to see a larger turnout in this election, not just, not just by the millennials, but I think women, I think women are going to turn out, and I think that we're going to see a lot of, even the conservatives that stay home a lot. I, I really think that there's this, this midterm is going to be bigger than, than and, a lot of the ones in the past. And the thing is, is this, and like I said, the problem with hitting any of these demographics is which way they'll go, because even large women vote, remember, I mean, that doesn't guarantee f- for the Democrats. Oh, even. no. We'll say women issue, but the thing is, historically, historically in modern history, up until, hmm, I'm thinking up until fairly recently, Women voted more Republican than Democrat, and that always catches people off guard. Uh, now, in recent ones, that hasn't quite been true, but even in the last one, um, women turned out for Trump. Yes, they did. College-educated white women turned out for Trump. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. so women for Trump was a thing there for a while. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's so, it's, so it's always hard to 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 guess which you know which way demographics will go and everything. Um, and so, and the other thing, again, going back to the Trump effect, whether people like him or not, even the people who don't should find should find one thing that they can look at in that the parties don't have a lock. I mean, that, that did show that there can be somebody from the outside, because again, whether people like Trump or not, the one thing you can't say... Now, he does have an inside connection into always being in politics and, and you know, having a, a connection with people who are in and all that. But actually coming from a wing of a party, actually, you know, being an, an insider in that you actually run, he was not an insider in that way. And I think the one thing that, that if people want, even even Trump critics should find something positive in that, in that it shows that there can be an outsider um, that can, that can, you know, that can kind of come out of nowhere and stuff. I think Debbie Wasserman Schultz took care of that for the Democrats. The Democrats aren't ever going to let somebody grassroots like Bernie come up. And and I just, I don't think that they will. And that just, that is the dirty politics they, on the Democrats. They side, might, though. though. I mean, the Democrats are capable. I mean, they, they're they might. capable they of might. it. But they might. But there is very much a, a, the establishment of the Democratic Party that is that is very conservative and very much status quo. And I, I think that that's, that, I mean, they're already trying to make moves to kind of tamp down grassroots I, I do I do think you see in both parties... Um, I, I do think you see always movements to suppress the um, 
the grassroots voice. It's weird. They're stuck in this conundrum because what they want, they want those grassroots votes. Mm-hmm. They definitely want that. And that's why they love red meat issues. But they also don't want the grassroots to have a voice. <laughs> um, but having said that, and, and I hate to be in the, in the position, being the Republican, of defending the Democrats here for the, with this, I will <laughs> give the Democrats one thing. Um, there has been a move in the Democratic Party to lessen the impact of the uh, of the superdelegates. Yes, and and that actually That's came big. about because of the, because of the Bernie yes. Sanders thing, and and right here in Oklahoma, he won Oklahoma, and then when they went to cast our votes. They cast him for Hillary yeah, Clinton. Except for Connie Johnson. It's the yeah, one Connie thing. Johnson was the only she, one. Yes, she, she, she was. She did stick by her word. Again, whether somebody likes Connie or not, the one thing you can't call her is you cannot call her duplicitous. I mean, she sticks by what she says. I voted for Connie Johnson. I voted for Connie Johnson in the primary. Yeah. So I, I very I very much supported Connie Johnson and in, in her run. And so um, but uh, yeah, that's it's gonna be really interesting to see what the turnout is and and really how how it sh- it shakes out because there are a lot of women running that is what I love to see. And that's, you know, there are women running for all of these different kinds of offices too, like county commissioners and things like that. I love that. I, oh, yeah. I think women should should be able to just go ahead and kind of take that on. So and that's why I say I really think that women are gonna gonna turn out in force this time too. And uh, one thing I wanted to uh, ask you about, Doctor Crow, was what did you think about the re- the report that came out where um, Kevin Stitt said this this year of campaigning has has opened his eyes to to realize the financial strains that the public schools are under in Oklahoma. He it's like he just now realized that. A lot of times, and this is this is not um, unique to him. Every candidate. Who comes? Um, who, who who hasn't been in politics for a long time will bring one uh, perspective with them, and they may not be aware of 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 you know the the all the issues. And so for him, you know, uh, you know he knows business. I'll give him that. Uh, he's he's successful at that. But some of this stuff may have caught him off guard. In other words, education, um, the strains of education, he, he may have not been aware of. He didn't come from 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 you know from from that area. Uh, but we see this with with a lot of different candidates. Um, um, for example, um, I think this would be a, a bad case. But for example, if we if we went back to um, oh my mind just went blank. I hate when I do that. To um, uh, Secretary of Defense for um, Rumsfeld. Now Rumsfeld, he had been uh, he had been, he he has this uh, this this in the in history he has this unique position in that he was the youngest Secretary of Defense ever and the oldest. Secretary of Defense ever. And so you'd think he would understand defense very well. <laughs> Having said that, between those two time periods, he stayed in the corporate world quite a bit. And that's that was what influenced him. And when you look at this, one of the, the scariest things is when, when, when uh, we went into um, Iraq uh, the second time. Uh, of course, we went in with fewer troops than we should have, 140,000. But Rumsfeld supposedly initially wanted to go into Iraq with twenty or thirty thousand. Now that's insane. I mean, you you would have been. There's no way they could have accomplished their mission. But having been in that corporate structure for so long, he was all about cost savings, cost oh, savings, yeah. cost savings. 
I'm all about cost savings, but there's two areas that you can't you, you're going to have to pay more, and one of them is defense yeah. because uh, you know it doesn't do you good to to save if you, if you lose, and so so you can a lot of times you can see if if somebody is not familiar with one area you know I, I used him as an example Rumsfeld is somebody who's actually high who had been in a long time but they they had been out of you know out out of, out of a, there for a long time. On the other hand, we have kind of an unusual situation. Stitt was probably not familiar, like he said, with with a lot of the education issues. I actually believe that. I actually do believe when he says he wasn't familiar with it. Having said, because again, focus on business. Um, on the other hand, too, if we look at Edmondson, he know he knows a lot on the, on government and stuff. Hasn't been in the private sector as much, so may not know as much about business and everything. So it's kind of odd that in this in this election we have. Two candidates who don't necessarily have a complete holistic view of everything. Um, of course, now that I think about it, I don't know how many candidates we've had in the past that have that either. But anyway, <laughs> well, and, but here's the thing too. I feel like that thing with Kevin Stitt. I mean, did he not see the teachers striking the yes. slash? I mean, you know what I mean. To me, I mean to to just just now pop up and say, oh yeah, education. Oh yeah, that's an issue. It's like, man, it that's makes you the, seem it makes you seem so out of touch with the, really with the does. regular people One because of, I mean. The first thing that I thought was, well, we know his kids don't go to public school because anybody that has kids in the public school system in Oklahoma knows that it, we're having funding issues. Well, and one of the things that, that he and Edmondson both should do, would be my advice, is, and I would do this because this is the way I feel, I know what I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm good about what I don't know. And so when I don't know something, I look for somebody who does. And so I think... With both of these, whether we're talking about um, you know uh, uh, problems with regulations or, or not enough or whatever, I, I think Edmondson would be well served to have people from the business community that he's right now saying this person will be my aide in this, and I think Stitt would be well served right now to find people who are um, uh, who are at least cognizant of ed- education issues. And again, it may not be the, the you know he may find somebody that has a, a completely um, you know, somebody who, who some people in education may not like, but at least if they have some credence or some, you know, um, some stake in the field for so long, that that might help help both of them. I mean, it's it's okay if a candidate doesn't know everything, but if they don't, they want to show you. Well, this is the person I would rely on. So it's kind of like putting a good cabinet together. That's right. That's right. Well, and and again, I would have been perfectly content if he would have said, hey, I don't know that much about this. If he would have approached it like that, in, instead of just coming out and going, oh, oh my gosh, this education's a problem? Well, we're going to address that. And that's kind of how it seemed. It just really kind of seemed now, like he was out of touch. I will, I will give him this. There are certain aspects of education he gets. Um, like I said, I don't know about primary or anything like that. I think he does understand education at kind of an, at a certain level when it comes. I think high school to at least the first couple of years in college. I think he kind of gets that because he does understand that when we look at our graduates, we shouldn't just look at just college. I know this is a strange thing for a college professor to say, but he does kind of get that that. We need to look at what people do in Oklahoma, and he does understand that we also have to look at the community colleges. We have to look at internships. In other words, we we don't just want to focus on sending more and more people to college. So he does understand that part of education. I think he does get it when it gets to, let's say, 10th grade 
to let's say let's say he gets what we should be doing in education for let's say 16 year olds to 20 year olds i think he he gets that he was pro- i think he's probably caught off guard maybe with with elementary middle school but again i don't know how many candidates aren't on that um well, and and that's that's something that whoever the next governor exactly. is is they're going to have to address this this craziness within our education system from from the lowest from kindergarten and preschool all the way up to the to the college level because it's just there there are so we have so such a great need uh, you know, well, to, been for, one to of revitalize the, our education here. It's been one of the biggest issues. I mean, in, there has for been, years. Yeah, in Oklahoma, it's been one of the biggest issues that's been discussed. I mean, we talked about how, you know, kids, are they have textbooks that say George W. Bush is the president of the United States and stuff like that. Like, my kids, uh, they don't even have enough textbooks where they don't issue every kid a textbook anymore. They keep the textbooks in the class. Yeah. And they don't hardly send homework home because they don't have enough textbooks to send with the kids. Well, I think one of the ways that he could be caught off guard, and again, I'm, this isn't a defense. This isn't saying it's good. This isn't good. saying it's bad. It's how is it possible? Is you have to remember at the time when he decided to run. Of course, what's in our mind is still, you know, the the um, um, with with the, um, the the teachers going up to the Capitol or whatever. But you have to remember. Probably when he's thinking about running, that's still the time where the economy was down. Um, that was a time where we had lots of budget issues. And so I think when he decided to run, his main concern was the budget and the economy. The trick is, as governor, other things creep up. Um, so I can understand why he, why he may have not focused. In other words, and I think you saw this with, with every candidate running, they tended to have one or two focuses. I mean, again, with Gary Jones, the budget. I mean, he had that. With, um, with, with and I, let me do left and right, with, with Connie Johnson, she has social justice. I mean, she's, she wouldn't know about the budget. I mean, she didn't, you know, there's things, she, but with social justice issues, with, 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 um, 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 Dan Fisher, it was you know pro-life. In other words, all of them had an issue, but but the thing is, as as governor, there's issues that that just come up and stuff. And so if you don't know, you know, say you don't know, and he and, and I'll have to give this to Stitt. He does sometimes say he does often say I don't know. I'll give him that. Um, and sometimes sometimes you may even feel uncomfortable when he says it. I don't know, but I have to admire that he does say I don't know on some issues. Um, but if you don't know. Tell us who you're going to rely on. Right. You know, that that's something. It's okay not to know, but you need to know who you would go to. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Crow's Nest. Make sure you join us back here next Saturday at noon for more rational political discourse. Dr. Crow, Thomas Ware III, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank Thanks, you. everyone. Have a great day.